Are you ready for the latest Habs news, passionate debate, and in-depth analysis from hockey experts around the league? It's the most informative and interactive podcast about the Montreal Canadiens. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast, featured on allhabs.net, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Canadians Connection Podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Joseph Whalen, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Uh, this is episode 55 of the Canadians Connection Podcast, the Francis Bouillon edition, and uh, I'm pleased to be joined in studio by my co-host, the Francis Bouillon, to my Sergey Gonchar, Mr. Rick Stevens. How's it going, Rick? I'm doing real well. Um, what a great day. What a great Saturday. Um, uh, you mentioned to uh, Frankie Boo and, and who's a member of the, the, the Canadians development staff now. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and Sergey Gonchar and, and I think of Brent Sopo, I think of yeah. uh, B- Igor Ulanov, who's, uh, who's coaching in the KHL now. And, and uh, yeah, all, all, uh, uh, uh pretty good defensemen in in their own kind of style certainly some uh, defensemen that the canadians could use right now <laughs> as we're going to discuss sure. it in in just a few moments but before we we go anywhere uh with this podcast uh we have an interesting premise for the question of the week which is based around team slogans and and we want to we we pose the question we, we asked you on, uh, on the All Habs fan page, and we tweeted out from the At Habs Connection Twitter account, uh, what, uh, what should be the Canadians' slogan? What is the best slogan that describes the Canadians this season? And we, we threw that out online, and we're going to get to some answers in a little bit, but, but we've kind of gone on a little bit of a, of a hunt for the, the slogans from teams around the NHL and uh, just to give some examples, uh, Rick, what are some of the ones that you've you've come up with? Well, we remember, and and Canadians fans will probably remember um, during the Terrian era, there was the the no excuses uh, yes uh, sign that was up in the Canadians uh, locker room, and that's okay. That's a starting point, and and um, uh, some of the others uh, that that we've we've heard of. Uh, or, or we've, we've researched actually. Um, and uh, in Florida, there, there, it's one territory. That is their slogan. <laughs> Buffalo is the golden season. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and well, you have a couple more from the Atlantic uh, to add yeah. there. Well, uh, yeah, I've gone with the two that are going to be most interesting, I guess, for the Canadians, or at least for me, that I think you have Toronto, who, if you remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about how, they're now they have this Toronto Raptors basketball from the finals last year that they're tossing around. And the, the message from Babcock in the initial video where he gave it to Austin Matthews was it's our time. It's not explicitly a, a slogan for the least this year, but I think that that's a key message that they, that they have for this season that they believe it's, it's their time. And uh, Ottawa, which is a really interesting one is uh, the kids are all right. And um, I mean, given the fact that that's really the, the only option that they have at the current moment is to go young. Uh, it, it's a pretty, it's a pretty good message. I, I know that there's some Sens fans a little bit frustrated about Drake Batherson being, you know, kind of put back and forth between Ottawa and Belleville, but regardless, they're, they're a young team. It, it's a, 
it's an interesting message. It's a, it's a solid message to send to the fan base. Now, some of these and, and, um, (laughs) you know, Columbus is out of the blue, we rise and, and Carolina, which they used last year, take warning. Um, these are developed by, by marketing people, uh, you know, and they, 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 uh, hide themselves away in a room and they come up with these, these wonderful slogans. But we think that, uh, we're going to reach out to the fans and that Canadians fans, they know their team best. They can come up with uh, a pretty good slogan and we want your creativity here. We really want your, 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 your creativity that describes where, where you think, well, you can take it two ways, where you think the Habs are now, or where do you think they're going for the rest of the season? The slogan has to apply for the season. So um, give us your best slogan and you can, you can uh, do that. You can uh, reach out to us on social media uh, or um, remember we're a live podcast every Saturday at one. You can call us here at the studio if you want to, uh, make your case about the, the best slogan. And the number here is 213-943-3754, 213-943-3754. If you're listening to us on demand, which so many of you do, uh, we want you to text us. And the text line's open, the Rocket Sports text line. It's open uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And it's easy for you to remember. It's 5853-ROCKET, 5853-ROCKET. So um, hit us with your best Montreal Canadian slogan. And I've already had a peek at Twitter and Facebook. We've got some gems that we're going to be getting to in the <laughs> third segment. It's going to be a, it's going to be a wild ride once we get there. Um, so speaking of a wild ride, <laughs> the last week for the Montreal Canadians was filled with a high. If we just go back to last week against the uh, St. Louis blues, they, that's a season sweep of the St. Louis Blues, the defending Stanley Cup champion. You're not going to see them again all year. And the Canadians just took two games from them. Um, so that was, that was a nice moment. Nick Suzuki scored his second, uh, second career NHL goal. That was fun. But the following night was a little less fun against the Minnesota Wild. The Canadians had a 3-2 lead in the third period, but they let it slip away as uh, Brad Hunt scored a power play goal two power play goals against in that game, which is going to be a theme of this episode. And then of course the game against the San Jose sharks where the Canadians got off to that early lead. Thanks to Nick cousins, his first as a Canadian. And then uh, in the final minute of the first period, a power play goal, which absolutely deflated the Canadians took the wind out of their sails. They didn't recover in that game. They lose four to two. So, you know, a, a one and two week for the Canadians, uh, only three games, fairly light schedule, but uh, still not exactly where you would want it to be at this point, especially uh, something that we're going to be talking about in the second segment, which, which is the penalty kill. So last Saturday, uh, following the game, it was, uh, the Canadians were feeling pretty good. Um, uh, yeah. they, had, they had won back-to-back games for the first time in the season, uh, knocking off the the St. Louis Blues the second time in a week, as you say, sweeping this the season series, and and um, you know uh, some people were, were readjusting their their uh, expectations and and thinking, well, geez, maybe this team um, is not only good enough for a a wild card spot, maybe they're going to um, uh, get a spot uh, in the in the division, uh, sew up one of those, and since then it's gone completely the other way with two teams 
towards the bottom of the standings, two desperate teams. Yeah. And you had Jason Zucker, uh, you know, uh, calling out his, his wild uh, before the team. Logan Couture did the same thing uh, to the Sharks. And, and those desperate teams um, uh, handled uh, Montreal pretty well. And as you said, uh, uh, the, the, the talk, all the talk afterwards was uh, uh, about the Canadians' penalty kill. Yeah. And I mean, it's going to be a point of interest for this, this entire season. Cause we just, we just experienced this last year. We know that special teams is so critically important to a team that wants to make the playoffs. And last year it was the other way around where it was the power play. Uh, as I said, we're going to be discussing a little bit more in depth about the penalty kill coming up in the second segment, but certainly, uh, especially when you go up against a team like the Toronto Maple Leafs tonight, who once you give them the opportunity to go up a man, they're going to make you pay for it. So certainly something to keep an eye on in tonight's game. Um, so last night, and well, I mean, it, it, we, we have the Cole Caulfield update, the weekly Cole Caulfield update. Uh, it was a little bit of a rough one for Cole Caulfield and the Wisconsin Badgers uh, last night, though. Well, we, um, you know, talk about expectations, right? And, and uh <laughs> Cole Caulfield, his first uh, his first uh, NCAA game um, collegiate in his collegiate career against Boston College. Um, that was a couple weeks ago. Uh, two goals right out of the gate. Uh, the next night against Mary Mack, he had another two goals and added an assist. Uh, a week later, against UMD and and UMD um, at at that point was uh, the number three ranked team. Uh, another two goals um, for uh, Cole Caulfield. So six goals in his first three games. And, uh, you know, the predictions were ridiculous. Uh, is, is he an 80 goal scorer? Is he a, um, and um, I think, no, I don't think, I know that, that <laughs> we kind of said, you know, temper, temper your enthusiasm here. Um, curb your enthusiasm, uh, the Larry David show. Yeah, yeah, there you um, go. <laughs> um, and and uh, because um, you know it's uh, different, it's a step up from what he was playing uh, a year ago. Um, and uh, there's some good teams, and, and he's playing on a, 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 a an offensive powerhouse, as, as it were. Yeah. Um, with and he's with as we've said Alex Turcotte and 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 Wiseback the Sabres uh, prospect, um, but uh, you know uh, last Saturday against uh, UMD no points there last night against Clarkson um, uh, nothing nothing doing there at all he had four shots on goal he was a minus two uh, no points so that's two consecutive games now. Uh, without any points for Cole Caulfield. And may, maybe the numbers are coming, the, the expectation numbers are coming uh, back down to earth. Yeah. And, and that's, that's a good thing. Um, yeah. Because, you know, we've, we've seen Jack Hughes, and Jack Hughes is, is certainly a, a fabulous player. And, and uh, it, it took him a while to, uh, um, in his uh, uh transition to the NHL to, to get uh, his first goal. And I think um, I'm not putting Cole Caulfield in the, in the Jack Hughes category. Uh, Jack Hughes, certainly a, a superior player, but um, yeah. Caulfield is, is uh, going to take this time and, and uh, 
uh, you know, Im- improve the sum of his game. Um, and uh, as his coach, Tony Granado says, he's, he's got some work to do. Um, <laughs> and I wouldn't get too concerned about his uh, two game goalless drought, just as I wasn't getting, you know, over the moon excited about his uh, three goal, three game goal streak. Yeah. And I mean, you mentioned Jack Hughes, another guy, Capo Caco. He's, he's had a bit of a, of a rough start as well. It's to be expected. These are young guys. And uh, Cole Caulfield, I mean, no doubt, uh, if you're if you were going into this season after he started off in the first three games with two goals in each of them, if you were thinking that if you were under the impression that he was going to do that the rest of the way, I'm sorry, that's the harsh reality of sports. Not every game is is a walk in the park. So he's going to have some struggles, as everybody does. It goes up and down and you can't get too high or too low. And I, I can't I imagine that. Cole Caulfield is well aware of that, but, but Habs fans might not be well aware of that at this point because they just see a guy who is a legitimate goal scorer, which is something we haven't had in a while. And I know that they were very excited about, so they just think every time he goes out there, it's an automatic, he's going to get a goal. That's, that's, not how, that's not how snipers go. It goes hot, it goes cold, and you never really know when it's going to go that way, when, when they're going to break through and, and have those types of uh, phenomenal performances and when it's going to go the other way for them, and they might not have as much of an impact as you would like. But as you say, patience is the key here with a guy like Cole Caulfield. He's young. He still needs to round out his game. And, uh, and I expect that that's going to be what happens uh, while he's playing with uh, the Wisconsin Badgers. And Caulfield ten, uh, will be back in action tonight again against Clarkson. Um, and then a couple of games next week against Penn State. So uh, we'll, we'll keep you updated on all of that. Yeah. Yes, we will. And uh, something that's just shifting gears now to something that is just phenomenal, which is uh, Max Domi. And, and we talked over the summers uh, back, I think, in maybe August about he was, he was doing this, you know, media kind of tour, talking about how he was going to be having this book coming out in the fall called No Days Off. And, and he was going to chronicle his life with, uh, with type 1 diabetes and, and how that's affected uh, his life. And, and now we know that he's going to be launching uh, this Max Domi, uh, the Max Domi Fund for Type 1 Diabetes. And it's, it's just, you know, he's done so much for, for that community. It, it's great that he's continuing on and doing these types of things to, to bring awareness and now bring so, some money and, and help people out in, in, in a similar situation. It's um, it, it it's something that he speaks very passionately about. If, yeah. if you heard him, and um, you know the moment where um, he had a chance to meet one of his idols, uh, Bobby Clark, and yeah, um, and uh, with with Bobby Clark having the same condition, and and it was kind of at that moment that Max Domi said, "Well, you know, why not me? Uh, if 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 he can do it." Um, then I can do it. And, and, um, and he, he says that it's, you know, dealing with his uh, diabetes is, is, is made him a stronger person. Uh, his message uh, when he speaks publicly uh, um, and apparently even in his book is uh, ver- a very positive one and a very yeah. inspirational one for, for young people. And so this uh, launch of, of his um, uh, fundraising effort um is uh you know is certainly something that 
that um, he's going to be talking about through the year. And, and he spends so much time uh, with, with uh, young people who are, are interested in, 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 in how he's uh, how he has adapted. And, and yeah. uh, uh, the other part of it is, is that um, he's going to be, you know, there's going to be upcoming events. There's going to be a book signing. He's um, uh, signed a hundred sticks and those are going to the fundraising effort. So he's doing all kinds of things. Uh, to uh, help him uh, promote this uh, this can- fundraising campaign, it's it's truly fantastic. He's he's a, such a great advocate and and a, a truly an inspiration. Um, this is uh, this is some great work that that he is doing to bring awareness with with both of the book and now uh, this this fundraising initiative. So uh, just just great stuff from Max Domi off the ice. <clears throat> If, um, if I can well just uh, uh, add on to that, um, yeah. there's another great campaign, um, and that is the yeah. Movember campaign that uh, is about to kick off here in, in a few days. Um, it's an important one for uh, men's health. It's an important one for about both physical and mental health, um, and it's one that uh, the Rocket Sports team has participated in. Uh, for the last six years, uh, we, we and and participate in um, either uh, there's a move challenge. There's uh, you know obviously the the one that's well known is the facial hair challenge. Yeah. <laughs> um, but all of our team, uh, regardless of gender, uh, tries to uh, uh, joins and 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 tries to do their part to raise uh, money for this important uh, cause. Uh, and we've we've been pretty successful in the past, and uh, we just wanted to um, extend it. And you're going to be hearing more from us ab- about it through the month of, yeah. of November. Uh, but if you want to uh, either be part of our uh, of our November team um, to raise funds, we, we're we'll uh, take you as a member. We'll take your uh, your donations. Uh, we want you to participate in ever uh, however you feel comfortable. And uh, contact us on social media, and, and uh, uh, we'll get you signed up to be uh, a p- part of this uh, Movember effort. Yes, yeah, certainly a uh, worthy cause. Uh, and yes, as you said, we will be talking about that uh, as the month of November goes on. Uh, not there yet, but another week, we'll definitely start talking about uh, about this. Um, so we already had the Cole Caulfield update, but there was an interesting development for the Lobel rocket last night. They did play in Hartford. They, they lost in overtime two to one, but there was a familiar face on the blue line. And uh, it was, it was great to see him back his, his face, which, which took a beating last year. It was great to see his face back on the blue line. It was. And um, of course we're talking about Noah Juleson. Um, yeah. And you know that he's he's uh, been called a ghost. He's been called a man of mystery. Uh, no <laughs> one was quite sure what was going on. Apparently, he had, he's been cleared for uh, ten days or so, uh, and and why? And there was some question about uh, why he was uh, not in the lineup. But last night he was there, as you said, against uh, Hartford um, on the second pair, paired with Otto Leskinen. Um, and, uh, we see after the game, uh, he spoke to Anthony Marcotte and said that, uh, he was pleased with his return. He didn't, you know, he, he didn't overdo it. He didn't, uh, didn't go yeah. crazy. Um, um, 
And of course he said, you know, he certainly would have preferred a win in his return, um, <laughs> a two, one overtime loss in, in Hartford. Uh, but um, it was, it was very good to see him uh, back on the ice. Yeah. And I mean, certainly, I mean, when you look at that right side of the defense, Montreal Canadiens, maybe not the weak point, but it would be uh, certainly a really nice get to uh, if you, if you could get Noah Juleson back to where he was last year, that might take some time. Cause I mean, I, I would have to imagine there's probably a level of, of just kind of maybe not uh, timid, you know, timidness, but like just kind of a little bit of apprehension about what happened last year. That, that, that can't be an easy thing to overcome that sort of mental hurdle to get back on the ice after you take two pucks to the face in the same game. That is, but, uh, but regardless, it was great to see him yeah. back last night. And I mean, as, as time goes on, I'm sure he will be uh, more and more comfortable and, and maybe solidify the uh, Canadians blue line, which, which does need some help uh, more specifically on the left side, which is what we're going to talk about now, because a former Montreal Canadian, uh, Stefan Richet, great goal scorer. He was talking about the Montreal Canadians left side of the defense saying that the Canadians urgently need a top pairing left-hand defenseman. Um, and I mean, last week we talked about how they had been linked to, uh, you know, a defenseman on the Pittsburgh Penguins, you saw Ricola and then maybe Mark Edward Vlasic. It's been thrown out there that the Canadians are looking by Elliot Friedman, by everyone under the sun, that the Canadians are looking for a left-handed defenseman to play top minutes. Uh, but now you have a former Canadian and Stefan Richet saying that they need to go out and do this. I mean, it seems as though this is the, uh, this is what everybody's saying about the Canadians as of, as of late. Well, Stefan Richet never really known for his <laughs> defensive <No>. play, um, <laughs> uh, a sniper uh, to be sure. Yeah. And, <laughs> and check me on this. Is, is he still the, yeah, I guess he would be the last 50 goal scorer. Um, he, yeah. I would Canadian think so. Had. Yeah. Um, if memory serves right. Uh, and, uh, but, but, um, uh, and, and, and a few weeks ago we talked about, um, uh, the Canadians, uh, alumni complaining that, uh, you know, they aren't, they aren't integrated enough because, uh, they feel that Bergevin's trying to stifle their voices. Well, um, Stefan Richet didn't feel all that stifled and came out quite directly. He said, uh, first, he said uh, the Canadians have to have to avoid injuries, uh, and and um, that that uh, injuries could could upend the season, and and if if they go through injury free, they could uh, make some noise um, as the season goes on. But but then, as you said, and you, he used the word urgently, they yeah. have an urgent need for a left-handed top pairing defenseman, and and. Um, you know, everyone likes to, um, say that, you know, they like, they like Victor Matt and, but, um, said that, uh, Rishi said that, that, uh, Shea Weber needs a more experienced, um, uh, partner, uh, on the top pairing. Um, and, uh, he added his voice to the, the growing voices of fans who, uh, realized that some time ago, I guess. Yeah. And I mean, it's certainly something that we've talked about a lot on this podcast and yeah, it, it's an urgent need. He's correct in saying that. I think that it's, it's, as I've said on multiple occasions, it's unfair to both Victor Meta and Shea Weber 
that they're in this position. And, um, you know, it was great that uh, Victor Metz scored his first goal last week, you know, but it, it isn't going to change the fact that the Canadians do need a legitimate top pairing left shot defenseman. And uh, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's right of, of Stefan Richet to point it out as it's been correct of everybody else that's pointed that the Canadians def, definitely need some help back there. The other, the other thing that he mentioned, and I thought it was interesting, um, was uh, kind of the the subheading, the subheadline um, was he talked about the uh, the youth um, and 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 prospects and um, yeah, kind of a, a, a veiled shot um, where uh, at Mark Bergevin saying the Canadians have to stop trading away their young prospects which, uh, you know, has been yeah. a criticism in the past of, of Mark Bergevin. He said, uh, don't trade them away and don't throw in the towel. I, I think that was the phrase he used when they make a mistake um, that, that y- y- young players learn from their mistakes. So uh, again, a, a little shot at, at close yeah. and um, <laughs> let them, let them play through their mistakes. Uh and uh, we've seen that hasn't been the case so far uh, this season. I think uh, Stefan Riche might be going for a job. <laughs> it might be. Hey, I'm, I'm just throwing that out there. He's got some things to say. Uh, but <laughs> certainly, yeah, I think that those would qualify as, as veiled criticisms of what's been going on in Montreal as it pertains to both the general manager trading away young prospects and the coach reluctant to play those young prospects and give them an opportunity. So uh, interesting comments, and, and uh, I'm sure that uh, it won't be the last time that we hear from a Habs alumni member saying things uh, like that. <laughs> so with, uh, with that said, I think we'll, uh, we'll take a quick break here on the Canadians Connection podcast. When we come back, we're going to be talking about the left side of the defense, the penalty kill. We're going to talk about things in the first 10 games that we may not have liked, things that we have liked. And, uh, and see where we land on the Montreal Canadiens. So we'll be back after this quick break. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas. Sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, social media administration, multimedia, graphic design, web development and user support, event planning, and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are located in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? 
How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. And we're back here on the Canadians Connection podcast. I'm going to be talking about things through the first 10 games that we've liked, things that we've not liked so much. But before we get there, there were some rather interesting comments from the commissioner of the National Hockey League, Gary Bettman, about the current state of the uh, playoff format in the NHL. And certainly this has been something that has been well-documented, people a little bit frustrated with the playoff format. You have teams like Boston and Toronto meet in first round a couple of years ago. You have Winnipeg and Nashville meet in the second round. It's been a cause of, of some, uh, you know, uh, concern for NHL fans. Um, and he had a rather interesting and pointed jab. <laughs> he said, we like our playoff format. It works. I guess if you're not from, if you're not a Leafs fan, I guess it doesn't work then, but he seems to be rather content with the uh, the lay of the land of the NHL. Well, we remember last year, certainly uh, with respect <laughs> to the Canadians and, and uh, uh, the way the season finished up there, there was a lot of grumbling about the playoff format, but um, yeah, the, and the, the Leafs in, in Montreal tonight uh, game yeah. preview a little bit in the, in the third segment. Uh, but reg- <laughs> his his comment, uh, yeah, was was pointed square at the Leafs. Uh, yeah. Works very well unless you're a fan <laughs> of the Leafs. And of course, since the the current uh, format was adopted in in uh, 2012-13, the Leafs haven't um, advanced beyond the uh, first round of the playoffs. So um, it'd be interesting to to see what the the Leafs fans have to say about that. But I, I'd like to complain about a different playoff format, and, and that's, that's in – we talked about fantasy hockey, <laughs> the All-Habs fantasy hockey uh, a few weeks ago. And just a, a glance at the standings, and, and uh, Brian Clark, our, um, our commissioner, um, done a great job, and he set it up in, in – we have a 12-team league and three classic divisions – with the Adams, the Smythe, and the Norris, the, the way the the division should be uh, named, um, and I'm part of the Norris, and we remember the Norris division for the intense rivalries uh, between the Blackhawks and the Red Wings. You're in the the Adams, right? Yeah. The Farnham Flyers are in the Adams, uh, which the Canadians, uh, of course, were part of. But <laughs> looking at the standings, and you have my squad with a 596 winning percentage and I'm listed fourth in the league and yeah. just above me, just above me, we have the Farnham flyers who we all know who manages the Farnham flyers <laughs> with a 519 winning percentage. Then in my mathematical books, that's less than the 596, <laughs> but you're in third place. You're above me in the standings yep. because of uh, being a, a, a first place in the Adams division. So yep. uh, I'd like to register a public complaint about that. 
Yeah, that that doesn't seem right. Even even as I sit now in third place as a division leader, I've never been a fan of that. I know that the NBA had that, uh, and I maybe I think the yeah the NHL even had that where it was if you're a division leader, you were the high seed, even though you might not have been actually uh, you know an actually better team than somebody else. But yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of of the division leader getting the higher higher standing, even though they might not be a a better team. I have to say, I don't like that, but I will say that I had a claim put in. So last year, as I discussed, (laughs) I had a really good goaltending at Terry Price, Connor Hellebuck and Matt Murray. And Uh I saw that Connor Hellebuck. And and let's remind, let's remind listeners that, that you were the league champion last year. League champ. Yeah. League champ, defending champion. And I, I saw that Connor Hellebuck was available. I was like, oh, okay, here we go. I'm going to get this guy back. It's going to be like last year. I'm going to destroy everybody in the goaltending statistics. And I get an email the next day saying, I assume from the commish, <laughs> saying that there was a claim that was put in that was prioritized uh-huh. ahead of mine, something to that effect. And who, who, who do I find out that is today as we're preparing for this podcast, but Rick <laughs> Stevens. Yes. Destroying yes. my my chances of, of my repeat by taking a yes. goaltender that I desperately needed. <laughs> well, I'm fo- following your uh, Farnham yeah. Flyers formula for success, <laughs> drafting Kyle Connor um, and uh, and picking up uh, uh, Hellebuck off the uh, waiver wire, which is what you did yeah. last year. So I'm just kind of following along on that. That was that was my key to victory, I think, picking up Sailing to victory, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but we're all looking, so, the, the entire yeah. all has. Oh, I think we might have uh, might have lost Rick uh, momentarily, but uh, as he was mentioning, I mean, with the All Habs Fantasy Sports League uh, for hockey, I, I, as I mentioned, I am the defending champion, going for a repeat this year, and uh, we are having a great time. As he mentioned, our, our commissioner Brian doing a phenomenal job as always, and uh, we look forward to uh, to this to heading down the playoff road and seeing who is uh, sitting pretty. And I, I imagine that I'm going to be back in the picture because as I mentioned, I am the defending champion and I will continue to mention that for as long as it is accurate information. So as we said here in this second segment, we are going to talk about the Canadians things that we don't really things that we haven't liked so much things that we have liked and once we we get Rick back with us, we're going to dive in with that. And certainly keep in mind, as we go on in this show, we have the question of the week that we tossed out there earlier today, which is, what is the slogan that best describes the Montreal Canadiens this season? And and Rick mentioned that, you know, you go back to a few years ago, it was Michelle Therrien, no excuses, and uh, and certainly with the, the type of examples that we have, you have Carolina with Take Warning. You have uh, all of these, uh, the, the kids are all right with the Ottawa Senators. And, you know, just countless examples of these team slogans that we're going to be getting into in just a couple of moments. And I believe we have uh, Rick Stevens back with us here. So, Rick, sorry, we Steve. were just discussing. Yeah, sorry, it seems that so, yeah. I, I dropped out there. But uh, yes, we were we were discussing the uh, the question of the week, and and you do have some more examples of these team slogans. I mentioned uh, Carolina, take warning. The kids are all right with Ottawa, 
and uh, you know, as some just examples to give to to fuel this creativity that we're trying to stoke. Well, we have um, in the metro. You mentioned Carolina. Take warning in the metro division. Um, uh, Columbus is out of our blue. We rise. Uh, yeah. New Jersey is. We are the ones. Um, uh, New York Islanders, our barn, our family. Um, New York Rangers is play like a New Yorker. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> and, sure they do. and out of out of the the metro, I think the best one is is in Philadelphia, and that's uh, kind of embodies a, a, a Philly hockey or Philly fans, and it's fly or die. Yeah, that's that's it. I, I like that one. It's it's simple. It's to the point. And uh, as we said, we have the question of the week that we threw out on Twitter and Facebook, which is, what is the slogan that best describes the Montreal Canadiens this season? We're going to be getting to those answers in the third segment. So, Rick, as we said, we're going to be discussing, I guess you could probably say it's the winners and losers, but it's probably a little bit bigger than any winners and losers we've ever done. Things that we've liked, things that we haven't liked through the first 10 games of this new NHL season. And I think the biggest thing that we're going to have to give a little bit of time to breathe is the penalty kill because from where the Montreal Canadians were last year, they were middle of the pack. They were respectable 15th. They were, well, they were top 15. They were tied for 12th with 80 is 80.9%. So, I mean, they, they were respectable. They could get the job done if they were down a man, for you know a, a large percent of the time you're not going to stop every power play but i mean it, it just feels at this moment in time that anytime the canadians go down a man it's an automatic goal for the other team so i mean you go down now to 30th in the league when you were middle of the pack last year i mean it, it's so strange to see that this team has just kind of seemingly forgotten how to kill penalties well it's funny that um you know, Claude Julien, um, he doesn't like, uh, he was asked um, uh, what he's, what he likes about his team right now and what he doesn't like. Kind of, kind of, you know, winners and losers-ish. And, and um, it's a a natural, we we should say it's a a 10 games. It's a natural spot for coaches and GMs to evaluate their team and to, to kind of, uh, you know, say, what have I got? And, and um, uh, so Claude Julien was asked what he doesn't like. And, um, you know, first of all, he doesn't like those questions. Uh, yeah. But secondly, he said, um, I don't like the, the PK right now. I don't like it. Um, and he, he, he added, I don't like being 500 uh, right now. Yeah. Uh, and, and the two, the two things are probably related and, and, uh, not probably. Uh, most likely, they're they're related. And and um, after the the game against the Sharks, um, you know, again, Julian was pretty blunt, uh, saying that the penalty kill is just simply not uh, good enough. That it didn't take the Sharks uh, long to uh, to score to to have success. Uh, you know, on those two with those two power play goals, um, and he talked about. You know, either we're missing assignments or we're not clearing pucks or we're spending too much time cross-checking the, 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 the guys in front of the yeah. net instead of uh, retrieving the puck or, or uh, um, uh, getting sticks in passing lanes. And, and he said, 
there's lots of things that are going to be addressed on on Friday. And um, uh, he said that I think it's time that there's certain things that have to be clearly defined, and I'm going to make that happen. He, he was he was as as snarly as as I've heard him this season after the in the uh, post game scrum after uh, Thursday's game, and and um, you know they had tried certain uh, tried different things in. In uh, Wednesday's practice, um, you you didn't see um, Philip Deneau on the, the penalty kill, um, yeah. and w- some acknowledgement that that he's been an issue. Um, uh, he has he's looked a little lackadaisical out there, and and uh, hasn't been as effective. And and I think that um, you know, although he was back on the penalty kill on on Thursday, and. So I, I think that, um, you know, Jeff Petrie's talked about uh, about zone entries being a problem, uh, that they're, they're uh, not aggressive enough on, on the zone entries. But then once they, the, the uh, opposition gets uh, uh, set in, their, in, their, in, the, in the zone, that then they're too aggressive and the, the, the seams open up for passing and, um, it's just been a bit of a mess, and, and um, you know, as Phil Deneau said, the, the, the Canadians don't have confidence. And, and yeah. uh, 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 Brendan Gallagher kind of echoed that. He said, "Listen, I'm not, I'm not on the, the penalty kill, but um, I, I see some parallels with last year's power play. Is yeah. that there's there's no confidence, um, and guys are hesitating. Guys are thinking." Um, and uh, you know, scared to give up another goal, and then that's when, that's when uh, they they give up another goal. And, and like you look back to last year, and it's just kind of when I've tried to think of what this what this looks like. It's honestly, it reminds me of like if there's a time where you've had two tests in a week or two tests in school in the span of a couple of days and you're like you know what I'm okay for this one I don't need to study all that much I'm going to be fine and then the other one you have to do a lot of cramming and you have to make sure that you understand it the Canadians did a lot of studying for the power play it looks like they didn't do a whole lot of studying for the penalty kill because the penalty <laughs> kill it's flip-flop and, and that's what happens you, you go in and you put all this time and effort into figuring out one thing and then because you do that it, it's like another thing kind of takes a hit because of it and the penalty kill right now it doesn't make sense to me for one reason. And I tweeted this out during the game on Thursday. The Montreal Canadiens have got personnel that you should probably be able to trust to kill a penalty. You've got Nate Thompson. I mean, if I'm looking at the guys that were on the ice in the first power play goal, uh, first uh, goal against, uh, it would be Thompson, Byron, Sherratt, and Petrie. Those are guys that I can, that, you know, you tell me that those are four guys that I have to toss out to kill a penalty. I can live with that. Those are guys that are comfortable. Paul Byron scores a lot of shorthanded goals. He loves to be out there on the penalty kill. Nate Thompson wins over 50% of his draws, blocks some shots. He knows how to kill some penalties. He's done that for quite a while. Sherratt and Petrie, I'm, I'm comfortable with those guys being out on the penalty kill. That's their defensemen. They're fine. But then you look at this and, and you look back to the power play last year, and I think, well, you know, it makes sense that the Montreal Canadiens power play was so they just didn't have that talent level that you need to have a good power play, but a penalty kill, they've got lots of guys that you can toss out on a penalty kill, at least with, with the, their past play that suggests that they're going to be fine. Nate Thompson, like I said, Paul Byron, Arturi Lekkinen, Phil Deneau. I know you mentioned he, he 
hasn't looked especially great on the penalty kill, but I mean, they're guys that you kind of figure they're going to, they're going to figure this all out, but we're 10 games into the season. Now they've given up 11 power play goals. Like this is becoming a huge concern. And listen, we mentioned uh, up the top of the show, we saw last year just how much a bad special teams, whether it's the power play or now the penalty kill. Either one of those things, if they don't function at a, at a high rate, then you're not going to be lasting very long. It, even if you, if you get to the playoffs somehow with the, the bottom 10 power play or penalty kill, you're not going to last very long because you need to be able to handle yourself, whether up or down a man. And, and I would argue that, that having a, a good penalty kill is more important than having a yeah. good power play. Um, and, and you said that, you know, you're, you're right. Uh, the Canadians have given up three goals, uh, well, or sorry, uh, 11 goals while shorthanded uh, uh, in 30, 34 times against, I believe it is, um, yeah. for a, a 67%, uh, 67.6. Uh, success rate that's worst in Canadians history since they started uh, keeping the records. It's, it's worst. Um, And, and we've talked about in, in previous shows, there's been at least three goals that we've counted that have come seconds after the penalty is expired. Um, So uh, it's, it's actually worse than, than their number is actually better than, than, uh, you know, the reality. And, and I think it's a really good point talking about the power play that it's, it relies on skill and, and it relies on having the right personnel. And maybe the Canadians didn't have um, the right personnel last year. As you said, it needs talent. It needs scores. It needs snipers. Um, But when you think about what, what makes a good penalty kill, um, you know, certainly first and foremost, it, it has to be, good coaching and a good system. Yeah. Um, but you'd, you'd expect that, uh, you know, Luke Richardson has been responsible for it and, and uh, Claude Julian has dived in and, and uh, he's, he's taken responsibility. It's kind of joint responsibility, but uh, Julian's taken the lead uh, lately with it. Uh, you know, we saw in preseason how, how poor it was going to be. Uh, but the, the penalty kill, if they have good coaching, it just needs uh, good execution. It needs uh, players who have uh, good hockey IQs, uh, a commitment, uh, working as a unit, and uh, that that execution, the commitment level, uh, working as a unit doesn't seem to be there um, this season. Um, you know, the the penalty kill is missing assignments. It's not yeah. working together. Um, they're not able to clear the zone. Uh, they're not forcing uh, uh, the opponents to dump it in, as uh, Jeff Petrie pointed out, uh, so that they can get an easy clear. Um, it, it's it's um, it's really struggling, and it's interesting for me in that um, when I thought about you know when we we're doing our evaluation, thinking about the players who maybe are 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 struggling a bit and <clears throat> not necessarily having a great year. Um, and I think of, uh, Ben Sherrod and Ben Sherrod, I think, uh, Ben Sherrod is doing what I expected him to do, but, but certainly <laughs> not what many fans, when, when I talked about Ben Sherrod, when he was acquired as being, uh, a third pairing defenseman, I was attacked <laughs> on, yeah. on social media. People were talking about him. Oh, he, 
he was a, a first pair in, in Winnipeg. He played with Dustin Bufflin. Well, that was only temporary. And D- Dustin Bufflin covered a lot of mistakes. Sherratt is a third-pairing defenseman. Uh, I compared him um, to to Jordy Ben and said, you know, it's a I, that, that was said to be ludicrous that that Sherratt was an obvious upgrade. Not not in all categories, not in all categories. And one of the categories is uh, where Sherratt is uh, when you compare them is not as uh, favorable is um, uh, giving up shots. Uh, shot suppression is much better under Jordy Ben than Ben Ben Sh- uh, than uh, Sherrod, and um, uh, the giving up uh, high danger scoring chances. Um, Jordy Ben did a better job at that, so that's going to have an effect on the on the penalty kill. Paul Byron, we know Paul Byron's not having a great season. Uh, he's not looked very good uh, wherever he's played. Uh, and partly is is on the penalty kill. Um, Philip Deneau, I think uh, he seems to think that he's he's uh, uh, you know he, he's reading his own press and and thinks that he's uh, a bit of a uh, a scoring threat now and um, and and he's he's uh, got a number of points, but um, yeah, you know, he's been poor, uh, much poorer on the on the penalty kill, which is supposed to be his bread and butter. Um, yeah. I, I, I looked at um, uh, the penalty killers. I looked at um, uh, the number of shots per 60 uh, that the opposition gets on the penalty kill. Um, Phil Deneau last year, um, shots per 60, 58.14 last season. This season, that number's jumped up by 20. It's it's uh, close to 76 shots per 60. Uh, mm. Paul Byron, same thing. Last year, 50 sh- uh, 51 shots per per 60. It's jumped up to 72. Um, you compare Jordy Ben shots per 60 last year was around 50. Uh, that's jumped up 25 under Ben Sherratt to to 75. And you say, well, you know, maybe it's the other guys. Maybe it's the other guys. You look at Arturi Lekkonen, um, his shots per 60, because the power play has been, or sorry, the penalty kill has been bad. His shots per 60 have gone up uh, a little bit, eight, uh, I think it is. Shea Weber has gone up a, a small amount as well. It's those three guys that are performing much worse this season than they did uh, they did or their, their uh, counterparts uh, did last year. Um, ben Sherratt, uh, Paul Byron, and Philip Deneau. And, and um, uh, the other thing that I looked at was high-danger uh, goals against on the penalty kill, and Philip Deneau's numbers have doubled. Uh, yeah. So as, as Claude Julien has said, uh, giving up way too many uh, shots from the slot, one-timers, uh, you know, shots in high-danger areas, uh, and, and uh, you know, I know the cliche is the goaltender has to be your best penalty killer. Well, there's only so much the goaltenders have been able to do because the penalty killing is not shutting down those seam passes, those uh, availabilities for the one-timers, and, and it's been really, really difficult. Yeah, and at the end of the day, that's what they're supposed to do, and give the goaltender the straight shot that they'll be able to actually have a, have a chance at stopping. Those cross-seam plays have been absolutely killing the Canadians. 
And it's hard to expect Carey Price or Keith Kincaid, for that matter, to make those types of saves every night. So the thing that I like, and when I tweeted out, when I said about the personnel for the Montreal Canadiens on the penalty kill, and, and listen, I have no doubt that there's, there's a lot of blame that should be going onto the, the strategy and, and the coaching from, from Claude Julien with regard to this penalty kill. But I, I, I just, and with those numbers that you just pointed out from those three guys, I have a hard time doing that because, I mean, this was a penalty kill that was respectable last year. It was top 15 in the league. It by no, was no means elite, but it could get the job done. So how they've dropped off this rapidly and at this you know, sort of a just, it's just been absolutely woeful to start this season. I, I, I can't quite do that because you look at those three guys that you just mentioned and you see that, well, I mean, at a, at a certain point, like the power play was last year, it's got to be about execution. And listen, I, I'm not absolving Claude Julian of blame. I'm not saying that he hasn't had a hand in this or Luke Richardson or whoever you want to say. I'm not saying that they don't have blame to, to share for the, the penalty kill, but I mean, at a certain point you have to go out there and, and do your job. And it doesn't seem like the Canadians penalty killers have, have been doing a good enough of a job. And I mean, those three guys that you mentioned, I think that those are the guys that, that this should be, you know, you should look at it and say, well, these guys need to do more because I think that Nate Thompson has been fine. You said, uh, Arturi Lekkinen and Shea Weber have taken a little bit of a, of a jump, a little bit of a hit in terms of, of that uh, particular statistic. And that makes sense because the overall penalty kill hasn't been good. But at a certain point, I, I just don't know. I think that the Canadians should have a good enough personnel base to be able to perform this, this job fairly well as they did last year. It just, I, I don't know. It, it's hard for me to, to, to fathom how this thing has gone off the rails so quickly when it wasn't even that bad last year. Yeah, I agree completely. Yeah. Well, with, with that said, I guess we'll move on to some of the lighter things, some of the things that we have liked. And I have to say, <laughs> and on this podcast, I I'm not the numbers guy by any means, but I've, I've tried to go with the eye test plus the advanced stats and look at Jeff Petrie, who I've been, I've really liked this year and I know he was a minus two against the sharks, but I mean, every, you know, they, they, they gave up four goals. Someone's going to take a hit there, but you look at the course, four percentage that he has, he has 57.3%. I believe that ranks top five on the Canadians. And then his relative course, four percentage is 7.4, which is like the on off. So when he's on the ice, the Montreal Canadians are a better possession team than when he's off the ice, which makes sense because, He's been a very good defenseman uh, up to this point. So he's somebody that I've, that I've really liked. And then in addition to that, I really like Nick Cousins. I've got to say, and I mean, I wasn't overly fond of the Canadian signing Nick Cousins, as I've said, I thought that that just took a spot away from Ryan Paling, but he has been really good. At least as far as I can see with the eye test, he's, or, or at least pretty good. I won't say he's been really good, but three points and four games played. I wasn't expecting him to produce really any level of offense. So this has been a really nice surprise. 
Well, I um, I'm I'm going to Nick Cousins is is uh, providing some of that grit. He's he's a miserable player to play against. He gets <laughs> under players' skin, and and yeah. he's uh, filling in a bit of of uh, the Andrew Shaw, the missing Andrew yeah. Shaw, uh, kind of uh, game. Um, but I, I just I mentioned to you before before the um, the show that um, so far. Um, he's winning quota the quote of the year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, because it was it was after the game, uh, after the Sharks game, when a reporter, uh, I'll I'll leave that reporter uh, nameless. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, went to Nick Cousins and said, "Now, now, Nick, uh, after he had a great game, uh, he said, Nick, what can be done to fix the penalty kill?" And Cousins said. Um, I'm not on the PK. That's a question for someone else. <laughs> and I thought it was just <laughs> beautiful. Just, uh, you know, uh, that's a silly question. At least it's a silly one for me. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, talk about the rest of my game kind of thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, as far as I, and I agree with you uh, about Jeff Petrie, the only thing I would say, uh, and, and this isn't a criticism uh, about Jeff Petrie, it's to the, the, the narrative that I see on, on social media, and that is, um, okay, let's make Jeff Petrie the number one defenseman. Um, yeah. <laughs> I know people have short memories, um, <laughs> but, but when Shea Weber was out uh, for the first couple of months last year, we were, Canadians fans were um, not very happy with Jeff Petrie. Uh, as the number one defenseman, he was logging lots of minutes, uh, but he looked uh, out of place in that role. And, and um, uh, you know, Habs fans were praying uh, for Shea Weber to come back. And, and Weber, um, uh, you know, played well when, when he did come back. And, and yeah. uh, so I think that Shea Weber um, uh, takes and, – and Shea Weber had a, a – uh, an equal partner, it, it, everything would be fine on the first. It would period. be, yeah. And and given that Shea Weber takes those those hard minutes, those minutes against those physical minutes, it it allows uh, Jeff Petrie to play his game, um, at which he's been very effective at, and and certainly give him uh, give him extra minutes. Uh, nothing wrong with that, but but let's not term it as as Kulak and and Petrie being the uh, the number one. Uh, crew um i will just say that the um and and it's a lot of this i mean the the narratives on social media get to be so silly i i made uh, uh arturi lekanen um last year my my uh winner of the week and we talked about him um having such a complete game um you know he's 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 top five in most hits he's He's top five in penalties drawn. He's top five in high danger scoring chances uh, created. Uh, top five in in uh, points. Um, but the the one I'll add to that, and I looked at uh, primary points, um, which I think is is important. That's a first assist or a goal. Um, yeah. And you look at these points five on five, and you have. Um, uh, Brendan Gallagher, uh, you know, no surprise there. Brendan Gallagher in the lead. Who's number two in in the most primary points five on five this season? And it's Arturi Lekkinen with four primary points. 
Um, there's lots of talk about Druan, and uh, Jonathan Druan has just two primary points. Uh, yeah. So I know that that Lekkonen is is criticized for um, his offense, but he's we talked about game-winning goals that uh, that's where he contributes, but he's also contributing offense where it counts, uh, and that's yeah. uh, in the primary points. And and um, I think it's just a a lack of knowledge out there or, or a, a, one of those myths that just keeps getting perpetuated. And, and, but uh, our, our Terry for me has been very impressive in these first 10 games uh, overall. And, and you mentioned Nick Cousins taking up some of the Andrew Shaw role and that he's not a fun guy to play against. Another guy who's contributing to that, Yoel Armia with five goals. So we talked yeah. about who was going to step up and provide the production that Andrew Shaw did last year. Armia has taken the goal scoring responsibilities all on his back because he's got five. He's gotten off to a fantastic start. So a pair of Finns who have been playing uh, very well, who last year, if you remember, were uh, under the microscope and, and criticized because they could not produce five on five or produce points for the Montreal Canadians. And they've been doing that this year. Um, so speaking of the Canadians this year, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we threw out the question of the week, which was once again, what is the slogan that best describes the Montreal Canadians this season? We're going to be getting to those answers on Twitter and Facebook after a quick break. Stay with us here on the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked-out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends. Show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us for further details and information regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net.
And we're back here on the Canadians Connection podcast. And uh, we have the question of the week here in the uh, in the third segment. And uh, it's, it's going to be a fun one because we've tossed it out on social media. What is the slogan that best describes the Montreal Canadiens this season? And Rick, before we go to the answers, we'll get some, some more examples of some of these slogans that have been uh, around the NHL. I think we haven't we haven't had a vis- visit to the central yet, and so no. <laughs> uh, let's look at um, Chicago, which I think this has been uh, around a while. Always one goal uh, from Chicago. Okay. I like that. Uh, Dallas, yeah, it's not bad. Uh, Dallas is be loud, wear green. Okay. <laughs> um, Minnesota is our state, our team, our ice. I think that's okay. I don't like that. That's kind yeah. of lame. <laughs> um, Winnipeg seems to have two. One is rise together. They're using, or the other is fueled by passion. Again, uh, both playing on the Jets uh, yeah. team, and and those are fine. Those are fine. Those are good. Yeah. Um, San Jose Sharks were just in town, and uh, they their slogan is teal together. Yeah. Do you like that? Do you like that? I I, I don't. I don't. I don't I know don't, if I you don't. should be. Yeah, if teal is your primary color, I don't know if you should be playing that up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's, no, not at all. <laughs> I think you should just leave that so our, to its to its own. Yeah. <laughs> our our listeners and our followers have got to do better than that, don't you think? Yeah, I I think so. And this is this is given some opportunity for creativity, and I think that, that always creates the best answers uh, for for this. So um, we'll start. We'll start off with with Twitter. I think that's that's the best place to get this started because Twitter is always a, a weird spot for this kind of thing. <laughs> we have uh, our own Blaine Pop Van of the, the uh, Habs Unfiltered podcast, which is Play for Pride, which that that one <laughs> that one stings a little bit. <laughs> uh, you have uh, Quichi saying in between, which. I mean, I mentioned the the Ottawa Senators with the kids are all right. It seems like the Canadians are kind of in that middle ground where you don't really want to be. You have Mike who says no defense. Uh, I think that seems accurate. You have Dan who says not good enough. That's also accurate information. You have Mo who says what you see is what you get. Yep. (laughs) And then Andy, I think, Andy hits the nail on the head here. And we talked about the demographics, the, the uh, article from The Athletic that looked at across the NHL, the Canadians were the second shortest team. Really, they were tied for the shortest with Nashville. But regardless, they were not, not a very tall team. And Andy says, maximum height, 5'11", others not admitted. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, I mean, you know, I think the best jokes are always based in truth. And even though there are Yoel Armia and Jesperi Kotkaniemi and Shea Weber, yeah, by and large, five eleven is the cutoff point. <laughs> what about Facebook? Well, Facebook. If you want to join the conversation on Facebook, uh, look for the All Habs page, uh, the All Habs fan page on Facebook, and we always get good responses from more than forty thousand uh, Habs fans there. If you want to join in, uh, be sure to. Um, uh, like uh, the page and, and uh, then it's always easy to find uh, like our all Habs page. I was thinking just personally, uh, the, the one I, I, it's usually uh, song titles that come to me and it's kind of, 
there was a Pretenders song. I know you're not going to do the 90s. Uh, <laughs> pretenders, uh, Chrissy Hind and, and Middle of the Road, the song. Middle uh, of the, we need Lewis here. Lewis is our resident Lewis. DJ. Uh, yeah. <laughs> can you cue up Middle of the Road from the Pretenders? That would be good. That would be um, good. On Facebook, Greg Givens. Uh, th- thanks for everybody for uh, weighing in on Facebook. I'm going to read a few of these. Greg Givens says, uh, no grit. Uh, we were just talking about uh, the absence of, of Andrew Shaw and some players yeah. providing the grit, but according to Greg, there's no grit. Uh, Christopher Devereaux says uh, his slogan uh, for the Canadians is, I think I can. I think I can. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Andrew Goodman um, those who rise are destined for a greater fall. Being a little philosophical there. Uh, yeah, I mean, when was the Canadians rise? Um, <laughs> Eddie Chalfone says, uh, and maybe this is, uh, you know, Survivor, uh, he says, outwork, outplay, mental mistakes and penalties. Mm-hmm. Um, Jason Corville says, no consistency. Uh, Troy Fleming says, no defense, no win. Um, we have Randall O.H., who always gives us good ones. He's direct uh, to the point, enough already fired the GM. Okay. <laughs> and and that's, that, that one's liked a fair bit. That, that looked uh, good in the Canadian you know, locker room, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Gil Corbin agrees. Yep, fire the GM. And Steve Penny uh, is the last one I'll read. Um, uh, Stephen Penny, no relation to former no. Canadian goaltender <laughs> Steve Penny, uh, says no PK. And maybe you can take that a, that particular one a couple of ways. Yeah, I think that that has a couple of different connotations. Um, <laughs> But yes, we uh, we love these responses. My goodness, it, this has been really fun. So keep those coming in on Facebook, on Twitter. You can text the Rocket Sports, uh, the text line, 5853-ROCKET, and give your response. If you're listening on demand, we certainly want to hear them because this is a very fun thing to do. <laughs> um, so, so, Rick, shifting gears, because we've, we've got a few minutes left, we are – we're seeing the first game at home against the Maple Leafs this year. We we had one on the road, Montreal, Toronto, and it's always great. It's always fun to be the road team in Toronto, but now it's shifting to the Bell Center. You get Habs and Leafs on a Saturday night. Certainly a, a lot of question marks, I guess, will surround the Canadians heading into this one. Uh, specifically, I mean, the, the Leafs are on the second night of a back-to-back, so they're kind of in the, the same spot that they were last time these two teams played, but I think that Montreal has maybe got a little bit more to prove than they did last time these teams met. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, the, the Canadians, as we've, we've said, um, third easiest schedule in uh, the entire NHL. And, and that's, that uh, specifically relates to these kind of back-to-backs and, and being rested yeah. and, and, and those kinds of things. And, and uh, here again, Leafs played last night. Uh, they had uh, San Jose uh, in town uh, and uh, won that game. And uh, now uh, for a classic matchup at the Bell Center, uh, the, the, the Canadians should be, um, you know, uh, uh, arrested and, and ready uh, uh, for the Leafs. Uh, we're expecting to see Hutchinson in goal. Um, and uh, and Carey Price should be in that for uh, the Montreal Canadiens. 
and um, um, the Canadians, I, I think this is a, 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 a signature game, a statement game. Um, all of the, the discussion this week has been about their penalty kill, and they have to prove against a very uh, lethal uh, power play, um, even without John Tavares, uh, that yeah. uh, they can, they can um, withstand that. And, and that um, I, I think the, the commitment from the Canadians is they don't want uh, the discussion after the game to be uh, in a negative way about the penalty kill as it's been uh, all week. Yeah. And I mean, listen, this is going to be uh, even on a back-to-back. This is going to be a tough game, as you said. I think this could be a signature game for the Montreal Canadiens because you go back to the last time these teams played. If not for a mental lapse from Kasperi Kapanen, that could have been a, a far different story than it was. You know, we talked about Canadians' resilience, fighting back from down 4-1. But really, if if that thrown stick doesn't happen, do the Canadians get out of there with the two points? Maybe not. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. But regardless, it was impressive in and of itself that the Leafs were up four to one on the second night of a back to back. So if they come out and play the way that they did, I know that Max Domi got the early goal the last time these teams played. But I mean, if if the Leafs jump out to an early lead, I mean, the Habs might have to battle not only the Toronto Maple Leafs, but their crowd might get a little bit restless given the fact that we just saw That's the performance right. that we did against San Jose. They might be, they might be fighting an uphill battle in uh, more ways than one. So it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to watch tonight, specifically the penalty kill, as you pointed out, because the Leafs, they can, they can score out of the power play with the best of them. So it'll be a, a fun game. Saturday night doesn't get much better than that. And I know it's early, um, but it is the 10-game mark, and that's why we did our little evaluation. And, and uh, the, the Canadians and the, the Leafs are only four points apart, uh, but the Canadians are 20th in the standings, the Leafs 7th, and a lot of teams in between. And uh, it's going to be one of those games where um, uh, it's, it, it may be a defining game uh, for at least part of the season. So it, uh, be sure to, to follow us on on social media. We'll be covering it. Uh, also, uh, you want to be following um, uh, uh, Flyers Rule, that's Amy Johnson, Chris G, the AHL report team, uh, as the Laval Rocket are, are in um, uh, Providence tonight. Um, and uh, so lots of action tonight for, uh, for you to follow. Certainly follow along with all of our coverage, read the game preview, for tonight's game against the Toronto Maple Leafs, follow the AHL report, all of that stuff, because, you know, they provide such great coverage, uh, Chris and Amy, with the AHL report. And, uh, yeah, so we'll take off for another week here on the Canadians Connection podcast. Um, but certainly you can follow Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And then you can listen on demand to this podcast and the three other lovely podcasts with the uh, Rocket Sports Media, uh, Rocket Sports Radio being Habs Unfiltered, Hab a Listen, and From the Press Box. You can find those on all your favorite podcast platforms, Overcast, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, Google Play. So with all that said, you hit that subscribe button. You get all four of them. Um, we're going to take off for another week here on the Canadians Connection podcast. We'll be back with you next week discussing all things Montreal Canadiens. Thank you for tuning in to the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Habs Connection and visit allhabs.net.